Hey, I'm Tim, and I'm here with my brother-in-law, David Laser. We are doing guerrilla discipleship. We're so glad that you have chosen to join us here the past couple of weeks. We want to encourage you to just continue to make disciples who make disciples. That's what guerrilla discipleship is all about, is um, helping you tips, tricks, uh, having conversations, having stories about how God has called us in Matthew 28 to make disciples who make disciples, uh, and to help people to obey God's word and to go and baptize them. And um, we just want to give you some um, tools some things for you to work on, things for you to chew on, um, some kind of supplemental to Sunday morning, supplemental to um, um, maybe your reading, and just uh, help talk about some of the practical pieces. And so for the past couple of weeks, I think um, the past five weeks, we're on week six now, we've looked at barriers that keep us from disciple making. And a uh, uh, whole bunch of different ones, go ahead and check those out. Uh, but this week, we're going to look at uh, number six, the sixth barrier we have, which is we have toxic expectations. Uh, now, just full disclosure, that's going to be the title of this episode. We use the word toxic to grab your attention. Um, but toxic really basically means just unhealthy. So unhealthy expectations uh, about discipleship. And there are so many of them. We're going to hop, skip, and jump through so much of them. Um, but we, I think we have to just admit that some of our beliefs or some of our habits or some of our understandings are just unhealthy. And that kind of unhealthiness then is... Um, I don't want to say pollutes or kind of grows into other areas. And so we say, uh, I'm just not going to make disciples. And maybe because it's we because we don't have a, a great or a decent or a healthy understanding. Um, and so then we become toxic and even don't make disciples at all, or we make unhealthy disciples or have an unhealthy expert. It's it's a mess. Yeah. But now the first one I want to look at, uh, it's probably one that we all uh grew up with or one that we don't maybe know about, um, and maybe not the worst one, but Definitely this idea that discipleship happens. Uh, this is a toxic one, by the way. <laughs> discipleship happens uh, yeah. uh, through osmosis, which is that yeah. if I can just bring my friend, just just only bring my person to church, they will immediately become a Christian just by entering a building or just by coming on Sunday morning or just, just simply by being in a Bible study. All you have to simply do is just show up. Um, and I think we've had that kind of model of church, and we've kind of encouraged people to live into that. Um, I think people can be transformed and are transformed when they, you know, are brought to the real presence of God. But I also think they need some guiding and some encouragement, and they have to have some sort of desire. Um, and so just real quick, the um, uh, the belief that kind of goes along with this is that if I just show up, I'll, I'll become, I'll eventually be a disciple. If I go to church 50 weeks out of the year for four years in a row, 200 Sundays, I'll know everything there is to know about Jesus. Uh, and I just want to remind you that... Uh, just because you stand inside a garage making car noises doesn't make you a car. Um, just like coming and showing up at a church and waving your hands and singing songs and saying hallelujah um, doesn't necessarily make you a Christian. And so that's a, a toxic expectation we have. Uh, I'm not discouraging you from for participating or from inviting, but know that there's so much more to it than just merely being present in a, in a certain place or a particular time. So David, I don't know if you want to list uh, another uh, toxic expectation, if you want to um, we'll talk more about that one. I know we're, we have a lot yeah, to cover, but, uh, we I'll do, we do. I just think you had, you had mentioned it as what discipleship by osmosis. Like yeah. if I just stand here in a church, it's just going to automatically happen. I, it just makes me think of, uh, one of the ways I like to view a church is we want to become a greenhouse for discipleship. So we want people to show up in an environment where it would be fruitful and fertile ground for discipleship to happen with intentional things happening. And so, you know, it's, it's building relationships that are bringing transformation. It's creating this environment for discipleship to happen rather than just thinking, if I come to a Sunday service, mm -hmm. I'm going to, my friend is going to just become a disciple. No, you have to make that environment, make that small group, 
make your relationship, make your worship a, a greenhouse that is conducive to, to growing disciples. Right. So that's awesome. Yeah. Love that, that analogy. It's a greenhouse. Life. Awesome. And that's yep. even biblical yep. too. Uh, I'll, yeah. yep. I'll list two, two more. And then David, I'll let you kind of talk yep. about the spectrum of maybe where some of the expectations yep. are on one side or the other. Two other quick ones. I don't think they're that common, but they are there um, that we often have is that we sometimes believe that discipleship means making clones of ourselves yeah. or of our church yeah. or of uh, our political affiliation or something like that, that unless the person actually believes what I believe, how I believe it, interprets the Bible, every single patch is the same way, is part of my denomination, likes the King James or likes the message, right? We have this like <laughs> idea that they have to like start going and eating at Chick-fil-A and then only listen to Christian music and like this whole entire like like this belief that they when you become a jesus follower you have to follow into this like clone mentality or um hive mind i think that's that's dangerous as well too um that's that's not healthy yeah. i think there's beauty in in our diversity of belief uh as long as it's within organ orthodoxy there's beauty in that we don't yes. like the same things i think we have we have to kind of say like hey if someone wants to um, have some other view on some things or um as long as there's you know within reason that that's mm -hmm. that's okay um and this ties into the the other piece before i hand it over is Yes. Um, that we have to be okay with letting people, uh, I think, here, I'll say it this way. We have the toxic belief that people have to change their life before they can believe in Jesus. And so we say, hey, you have to stop living with your girlfriend before you can follow Jesus. Or you have to stop smoking, stop drinking, stop cussing, stop, you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. The kind of like stereotypical Christian stuff mm -hmm. before you can believe or before you can be discipled. Um, the hope is after you believe, you will be convicted and we will disciple you and you will want change and want growth and want to pursue holiness. Um, but having an mm -hmm. expectation that people have to completely give everything behind without ever knowing the promise or the hope or the real joy of Jesus is, 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 is going to cause a lot of uh, frustration for you and for the people you're trying to disciple. And so, um, yeah, I just wanted to list those. I don't think those are super prevalent, but I think that there's places and times and certain cultures that we come from that would definitely have condoned that implicitly, maybe not quite directly. So David, um, yeah, you want to yeah, list, yeah. Uh, some of the, the more, know, more fun ones, but add that or add to the other two. Yeah, yeah. Dude, I'll, add, I'll, I'll add to what you said and we'll jump into the next ones. I think like what you said, um, multiplication is not cloning, you know, just get that in our heads. Like multiplication is not cloning. It's not about cloning. If you want to fix that mentality, just go and do a little bit of a dive into the different personalities of Jesus, 12 disciples and look how vastly different they were, but how Jesus was able to bring them together in a, you know, <laughs> a discipleship band, right? Like they were, they were so different. They were not clones, but they were, they were all living in the kingdom and pursuing it. And they were, they were turned into multipliers. So we're not cloning people. We are multiplying. And, um, you know, if you expect someone to change before they come to Christ, it's like, it's like telling someone they have to, they have to get well before they go to a hospital. That's like saying like, you've got to like fix your wound and clean yourself up before you go to the emergency room. Like it doesn't work like that. Like we've got to let people come to Jesus as they are. And then know that Jesus transforms lives and he calls us to live in newness of life. But we got to be willing to uh, embrace some of the messiness that comes with life and, and the journey of discipleship. And I grace, love right? those analogies. So there those you go. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. Do you want to go to these ne the next two? We yeah, I'm going to let you say that if, if, if you remember what they are, kind of this like paradigm yeah, guys, where I think our expectations yeah, there's, are. There's both in, right? Or, yeah, um, either yeah, or. Two yeah, sides yeah, yeah. of the spectrum. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So the, these next two, I think, are maybe a little broader than these first couple we've talked about, and they're really important. And it's that um, on the one hand, maybe um, we are too pushy and our expectations are that 
that the uh, the growth, the fruit has to come right away. And so we're pushing. The other end of the spectrum is we are, are too passive. We're missing the moment. We're neglecting the opportunities that come because we just are so open-ended and so passive about the process that we don't want to make any sort of uh, intentional step to get someone to move towards Jesus. Uh, so we either try to force the moment, force the deal, or we miss the moment. And both of those can be very, again, we'll say what they can be toxic to the discipleship process. Uh, some people are so overeager to close the deal. They think, they think that like sharing their faith means it's like, I'm a salesperson. I got to get to the pitch and I've got to, I've got to close the deal today. And they're pushing it so hard that they're actually pushing people away. And you can, you can imagine all the scenarios where that would be not helpful uh, and actually stifle what the spirit's doing in that person's life. Maybe if you are trying to seal the deal, however, we do have to have a sense of urgency and a sense of alertness because if we're too passive, the opportunity can walk right by us and we don't see it. Help me tease that out a little bit more. Did I hit that right? Yeah, I like these. You said uh, pushy and passive. Uh, I also yeah. like the phrases, um, we lack patience or we lack yeah. urgency. Uh, and I mean, you, you really said it well. I don't think there's much I can add to it except for when you lack patience and you think you have to seal the deal. I joke about, you say like, well, I met someone at the gym and then, um, or I knocked on someone's door and then the next moment I was baptizing them in their bathtub, right? Like we think that's like kind of like what it has to happen. That it looks like. It has um, to be that, yeah. And it has that to be that way. Awesome. Then but it have doesn't to, have to be like that every time. It has when to follow that. Yeah, yeah uh, there's always then, a journey. And that creates this idea of unhealthy expectations of failure. And so when you fail over and over and over again, and you feel like you can't seal the deal, then you stop doing it. And so that's why it becomes toxic. Um, also, it becomes toxic and be pushy. And then the urgency, um, which I see sometimes a little bit more than not, is, well, like, really doesn't matter like they'll know we're yeah. christians by our love or they'll know by yeah. our actions yeah. and i just my next door neighbor knows i'm a christian because they see me go to church on sundays and i take their trash in for them but i never talk to them about jesus i never pray with them or for them i never i mean i say god bless on like the fourth of july um but like that's it and like and and i think sometimes we're like they'll, they'll just they'll just know or they'll just come to me and i think that they, that there's a time and a place when you have a relationship yes. for someone to say like they know i'm a resource they know my hope but if we don't actually like we talk about having Shema actions and Shema conversations. So like yeah. conversations and actions that go hand in hand, not either or um, that uh, the conversations that point people to Jesus, spiritual ones um, that that's where it's supposed to be. And I think we sometimes it's too passive. Like they'll just, they'll just come around or that's someone else's responsibility. Everything's going to be fine. Everything's kumbaya. Eventually God mm -hmm. will make it right. I think that that's, 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 um, that's two hands off and definitely uh, not healthy. And uh, not only are you not challenging your faith, but you're not really showing your love to other people. If you truly believe Jesus yes. loves us and wants the best for us, yes. then hopefully you'd want people that you love and care about to, to do the same. So um, I'm not going to yes. go too much into that one, but I definitely yes. think those are um, sides of the spectrum. And then the, the mm -hmm. last one, David, you can help me out with a little bit here. Um, I think there's this tension that we just have to know everything. We say, I just got to know more. This really... I think is the plague uh, where I live here outside of DC in Maryland um, in the regards that we just live in a, in a society that's um, hyper intellectual. I think uh, in the town or the County we live in, it is the highest population in the United States with people with graduate degrees. Um, I think it's like wow. 25%, over 25%, like 25 point something percent, I think, which means that one out of four adults you meet has a graduate degree and they love and they pursue knowledge. And so many of us are like, 
I would share my faith, but I don't understand yeah. transubstantiation or I mean, like, <laughs> a Catholic, right? Or I would share my faith, but I just need to know I need more. To go to seminary. The theology of the atonement. You're like, what in the world? Just go do it. And I think we have this like, so I think it's a, a huge plague or at least a struggle where we're at. We just like, I don't know everything. I'm not mature enough. There's more I couldn't should know. There's more I would like to know. And so I, until I get this master's level understanding of Christianity uh, or a doctorate level, even then I'm just, I just, I can't, if someone asked me a question, mm-hmm. I don't know, then I just, I'll just freeze. And then that's even not knowing and not loving is even worse than doing anything. So I'm just, instead of not doing it, I'm just going to be passive. So I don't know if you want to touch and go. Yeah, on that that's such an important one. Oh man. I, I Yeah. I mean, read, read the stories of the people God chooses to use in the scriptures and watch how often he uses the unlikely ones, the weak ones, Watch how Paul talks about his ministry and his preaching. I mean, of course, Paul was an incredibly brilliant and well-trained person, and yet he found God using him through his weakness. Like, we've just got to get over that paralysis of thinking we have to have it all figured out before we take a step of faith. Uh, You know, people say faith is spelled R-I-S-K. And like, we just, we won't say movement in this area if we're not willing to genuinely walk by faith to the place that is beyond our understanding. You know, Proverbs 3, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not in your own understanding, in all your ways submit to him, he will make your path straight. Like, we've got to walk. Yes, there's there's such a place for training and growth and understanding, and God will usher you through that throughout the course of your life to grow you, mature you, give you what you need. But he wants you to start putting it into practice right away. And I think, Tim, you can share stories and examples of how people you know, some in many cases, people that are new believers and new to discipleship are more effective at becoming multipliers than people that have been sitting in Sunday school for 30 years, which is so ironic and so counterintuitive. But it's because their life's been so up. changed, right? Their life's been so yeah. changed and they're so excited. And they're so passionate. They're like, I got to tell everyone who Jesus is. And people who've been in church for 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 years, right? We're like, well, my life was transformed, but it's not continued to transform. Then I do think it's important, but it's not that important. Yeah. Right? There's not the urgency. There's not the scrappiness to kind of take risks. And, uh, you know, maybe we just add one little extra appendix on this one. I don't know if it's number seven or eight. I don't even know. But it, it, it comes right along with this false expectation that, like, we're never going to fail. Like, we're, we, we have to be willing to learn and try and fail and realize that sometimes our failures, God is still using them. Like, it's just not going to be a perfect process. We're not complete. We're not ready made, fully finished. Yeah. We just got to go out there and put it into practice. We think we're going to fail. And, and I would say that, that, um, on top of the failing part that if you're being obedient and you're doing it, you're not failing. Cause even you if fail. you're not closing the deal, you're <laughs> yeah. planting the seeds, you're watering yes. them. Um, yes. Right. It says Paul planted Apollos watered, but God made it grow. You don't know what yes. you're doing. It might not right. feel right. It might feel wrong. You might say, I could have said that differently, but you're still doing what God has called you to do. And you're still learning about yourself and who knows yes. um, uh, exactly how that's going to look and and what you're doing over the period of time. You might have been the, it might have felt awkward or weird for you, but you might have been the right person at the right time at the right place Correct. to say the right thing. Um, and yeah, so um, we'll, we'll get yeah, to the solutions yeah. now. Um, and this, this, I think there's a couple of things we want to talk about, but the biggest thing uh, that David and I were talking about uh, that we think the solution is, is this. Uh, the biggest reason we have toxic expectations is because we have expectations in general. <laughs> we have expectations of how 
someone's going to come to belief or when they're going to come to belief or why they should hear the gospel or how they should respond or what they should say or or what we should say or this formula of how it should go and um I, and we don't Dave and I really don't believe you're welcome to disagree really don't believe we should have any expectations uh instead we said instead of having expectations on how they're going to act or what we're going to say we should have a spirit of expectancy I'll let David unpack the spirit yeah. of expectancy part, and he can kind of tease that out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We need to get rid of our expectations of this is how this person's going to respond. This is what they should do. This is what I should be and do in this um, scenario and put our expectancy that God will move, that if we show up and we're faithful, we will see God move. And we are ready to respond and partner with him. Um, but we have we've heard stories of discipleship, of conversions, of of incredible missionary type encounters and experiences, and we put that expectation that I, it has to look exactly the same way for me. If it happens and it works that way, great. But if it doesn't, there's something else God might be doing in that moment. I heard a story of somebody who um, got to meet with their neighbor, and that evening after a spiritual conversation and a prayer, they baptized them in the bathtub. And I'm like, wow, that's so amazing. I want to baptize people in bathtubs. That's incredible. And so, but if I have this expectation that that's what has to happen, I guarantee you that person didn't show up to their neighbor's house with the intention like, okay, tonight I'm going to baptize them in a bathtub, bathtub, right? They were ready. Bathing suit is 29 degrees outside. Well, you don't know what's going to happen later tonight, do you? Yeah, like anything can happen with God moving there, but you don't have to put an expectation that it has to look like this. You have to have an expectancy that God is going to move yeah. and show up as we show up. I'll faith. share a little story yeah. of this. I, David and I were talking uh, after our last recording uh, last week and ha- hashing this out a little bit. And I came up with this analogy and he's like, yeah, this is basically what Jesus said um, <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, about how the idea is it's our job to be a lighthouse, uh, to be a beacon. Um, but it's not our job to how to see how people receive it. And I shared two stories of how um, there was a, a guy at the gym. I always got my gym stories who um, uh, from a mutual friend was like, hey, this guy just accepted Jesus. You should go talk to him. And he needs to sign phone. He needs help. Um, I texted the guy. Didn't hear anything back. A few months later, he came up to me at the gym, introduced himself. Um, and nothing more really happened. I texted him like five, six, seven times. I was like two ships passing in the night. He kind of could make, then he couldn't make it, then he had to cancel. It wasn't working well. And then I was just like shining my light and like, all right, well, it's not my job to see how he receives this. If this is something he wants, right? he knows where to find me. Um, he knows how to, you know, I'm, I'll, I'll bother him again when God puts him in my heart. And then there was another guy at the gym who, I mean, I didn't even intentionally go up to or go on my way to have a conversation with. I'll use the phrase, I didn't know him from Adam. And uh, one day I just said, hey, you know, you might want to put that safety rack a little bar a little bit higher because, uh, if you miss this, you will crush yourself and I will try to catch you, but you know, weight moves faster than I can run, um, especially <laughs> with gravity. And um, and I'm not a very fast person. And uh, and he was appreciative. And then from that moment on, over a period of months, um, he started asking my name, what I do on the weekend. We started becoming friends, started talking about parenting. Um, and then just last week, we um, went out and got some uh, some smoothies after working out. And uh, we still haven't gotten to like a deeper level yet. We've gotten to meaningful conversations, but not spiritual. But my, I was just reflecting with David last week saying, you know, it's, it's my my job to be that lighthouse. And for the one guy, I was a lighthouse that was saying, welcome. Here's a safe harbor. Here's a friendship. Let's, let's get to know one another. And to the other guy, the light was like maybe blinding. Um, saying, hey, there's a rocky shore here. Don't come anywhere close. And we can't choose to receive or plan um, how people receive our light. Our job is to just be yeah. sitting there, letting our light shine on top of a hill. Uh, and David had he yeah. equated this it's, to uh, the parable it's of the like sower. The, uh, yeah. It's like the parable of the sower with the four types of soil. You know, so a, a sower goes out and scatters seed on 
you know, rocky soil, soil that has uh, a path and, uh, you know, thorns. I'm probably getting it all wrong. And then like the fourth one is good soil. And it's, it's the, the scattering of the seed is just abundant. It's generous. It's not really, it's indiscriminate. It's almost, it's almost uh, irresponsible, you know what I mean? Because you'd be thinking, oh, I've got this seed. I've got to put it in just the right soil. But it, this, the sower in that, in that parable doesn't worry about it, just scatters the seed everywhere they go, everywhere they go. Same thing you're talking about with the light. It's just we're, we're, we're sowing generously and abundantly, and we're watching for how it's received and how people respond. Awesome. So that's kind of like our job. There is not an expectation to say, God, I know you're going to be there. The Holy Spirit is before me. The Holy Spirit's working in their life. It's working in my life. So I'm expecting you to do something. I'm not sure what it's going to look like, but I know you're working in me and working in, in that person or those people I'm working with. Um, and then secondly, we want to say it's kind of like not a formula. It's not like if you do this, then you do that. That um, discipling is, is especially in, in this regard, is is, a, is more of an art form. And so I have a, a quadrant. It's called a conversation quadrant. I'm going to share it with you here uh really quick uh let me pull it up here awesome and uh it's basically um how you move conversation to conversation uh i don't know if i have the right diagram you kind of see my weird pencil here thing right but the idea is as you inter interact with people uh where you live learn work and play you have these casual conversations, right? Um, hey, how's the weather? Um, which is the worst question to ask, by the way, right? Just meeting people maybe, uh, and you when you write down casual at the top here, and then you would put Bob, right? Bob from work is someone I speak casually with. I haven't really gone deeper with, but maybe God can help me to go deeper. And so I write his name down and pray for Bob. Um, the hope is that you move from casual conversations. That's where there's a nice, beautiful arrow here to meaningful, meaning that you have more meaningful conversations. Like, do you have any kids and what are your kids' names? And maybe what are your kids struggling with? I mean, those are really easy ones. And maybe you have Maria who's on your kid's t-ball team and you've had a meaningful conversation with Maria about um, uh, her parent who's uh, struggling with a divorce or something like that. And so you pray for Maria and hopefully that your conversation goes deeper, right? And then maybe you have this friend, um, I'm not sure if I can say that name right, so I'll say this one instead, <laughs> Julia, right? And uh, Julia is someone you went to high school with, and you um, uh, have kind of been on and off friends. You were maybe more meaningful back in the day, but more recently, um, they've been diagnosed with uh, cancer, and like, hey, I just really need some hope. Um, I, I don't know where to find hope, but I, I do believe in some higher power. And so maybe you're Facebook messaging them, or you're FaceTiming them for the first time in years, and you're able to go spiritual with Julia, right? And that's awesome. And so the hope is that you can have conversations that go casual to meaningful, meaningful to spiritual, um, but they don't always go that way. Sometimes you meet someone and they go right to spiritual. Sometimes you meet someone, they go meaningful and right back to casual. It can be months, it can be yeah. weeks, it could be years. There's not a science. It's it's a kind of an art. The idea is to try to move through a journey, but not control where it goes, not pushing or pulling, but walking alongside and, and stepping in the doors they go into. And then what the hope is, that, um, from a stranger or from someone at work or a friend of a friend that you would eventually get to discovery, which is kind of like an action step, which is like, hey, not only do I need hope or want to find hope, now I want to like look to where this would be. I want to discover God's word on um, peace or God's word on uh, anxiety or God's word on joy. Um, and this discovery word kind of uh, would tie into the phrase uh, discovery Bible study, where you help people answer a few questions about God's word, looking at a particular passage. And it's kind of just taking conversation to an action step. And so maybe here you have a friend named Amelia, right? And for uh, Amelia, you uh, 
she's like, yeah, I really want to learn how to have just peace. I deal with so much anxiety. Uh, I know it. We've, we've been friends at the gym. We'll use that one for, for a year. Uh, we eventually went and got coffee and had a more meaningful conversation. I then realized that I had a lot of anxiety and I needed to go deeper as maybe Amelia speaking. And so uh, I met with let's say Emily, because that's uh, David's wife, my sister, right? But Emily and, and Emily and Amelia are discovering God's word together. Emily is the, the discipler. Amelia is the disciple right? And they're just asking questions about um, what does the Bible say about dealing with anxiety and uh, and peace and uh, and actually wants to, to take their faith or take their spirituality a step further. And then that's kind of where... Um, the, you know, the traditional discipleship journey, we would say begins, but I would say discipleship begins in the casual conversation um, and just yeah. walking and being a journey alongside people. So David, I don't know if you want to talk more about this conversation quadrant, if you want me to leave yeah. it up, if you want to yeah. Yeah, do it or, or what? Yeah, so. I like that. That's, that's a great model right there to get in our tool belt. I like that it, you know, it still has a clear um, trajectory in mind. Like there is a clear goal and endpoint and vision of where we want this to go, where we pray this go but it leaves space for the journey to happen you can see where both patience and urgency is so important with this you know and i think as you talk to people that are really experienced and seasoned in this disciple making work they have learned both in you know understanding themselves and understanding how people work and especially understanding the ways of the spirit that balance between patience and urgency and recognizing when they have a, a crucial moment where there's an opportunity to like put a little of whole kind of, I guess I call it like holy pressure on this moment of having a close enough, enough relational equity to challenge somebody in a loving way versus when there are moments to kind of like, let it breathe. There's an art to that. And um, it's an ongoing learning experience, but um, you know, sometimes that whole quadrant happens in one encounter and it's an incredible thing. And sometimes that quadrant takes, you know, 30 years. Like there are family members where we're praying for them for, decades before we get to see that happen sometimes we're just one step on that journey and we realize it's only been our place to begin it and plant seeds and there are others that are going to be watering and seeing the harvest and that's okay that's okay yeah awesome thank you david so our challenge as we wrap this all up uh don't have toxic expectations be have a spirit of expectancy and my challenge for you uh if you choose to accept it which i hope you will is get that conversation quadrant going right get a blank yes. piece of paper it's super simple in the one quadrant the top left put casual in the next mm -hmm. quadrant next to it put meaningful beneath it spiritual go ahead and reverse the video if you need to and then the next one put discovery or disciple right and i want you to write down at least one person's name hopefully in each if you don't have it that's okay Maybe you write down all your family, all your friends, all your acquaintances. I don't care how many, but put as many friends or people that you believe God's calling you to work to. And then look at that paper, um, I would say daily, if not once a week. Uh, what I do is I have friends for every day of the week and acquaintances, and I pray for that person each day. And I kind of, in my mind, think what quadrant they're in. And then I pray that mm -hmm. God will give me opportunities to lean into the next one. And then when those conversations maybe wax or Wayne, I guess, back into the next one, right? I uh, I pray God help me move back into there and kind of just feel um, and prepare me. And and I think as you pray for those people and you pray for these conversations to go, um, you don't have to be an extrovert. You just have to pray that God will show up knowing that he will and uh, just see what happens. And as you do that, um, let us know if you have any friends or family um, who move from one to the other that you've seen in a week or a month or so. You can post that in the comments or... Um, share, like the video, right? And, and and share your story. We'd love to hear it. We'd love to encourage you. And if you want to know um, maybe some powerful questions on how to move from one to the other, um, you're always welcome to email me at tparker at oakdale.church. I'd love to get coffee with you. Um, and uh, yeah, we'd love to encourage you on this journey. So um, 
Thank you for tuning in to our sixth uh, barrier. We can't wait for our seventh and final barrier. I won't tell you what it is, but we're excited for that one. And we will see you next time. God bless. Thank you.